Lots of news happening. I look forward to our conversation later on with uh, Ifrim Sheikhs Mashaba. Uh, he'll be our guest uh, tonight on Marawa Sports Worldwide. Here we are broadcasting from somewhere, someplace, somehow. And oh, it looks like the Premier League. No one's quite known what's going to happen next, as is the case here in South Africa as well. But the Premier League clubs will uh, have taken a decision that they're going to be asking players to take a 30% pay cut in order to protect their jobs, as it was announced uh, that the season will not resume until, in inverted commas, it is safe and appropriate to do so. Now, all clubs have agreed to put the proposed combination of conditional reductions and deferrals to the players. And on the line, we got AP's uh, global sports correspondent on the line, Rob Harris, uh, who's been covering this quite extensively. Rob, thank you so much for your time. In these trying times, welcome to MSW. Good afternoon, and hope all is well. As well as can be. What's the latest here, Rob? Because uh, we, we, we've been hearing talks about uh, the pay cuts. Is this becoming a reality? Well, it has become the uh, growing issue through the week against the backdrop of a nation in mourning, dealing with deepest crisis since World War Two, really. And, you know, so often you'll get politicians who will turn on football. And that really has been the case this week. The reason why it's really escalated as an issue, a discussion over why over Premier League players pay, is because Tottenham in particular used a government furloughing scheme to effectively temporary lay off staff, their non-playing staff. So for they cut the wages of some of the 550 by 20% and others are being furloughed. So effectively, they're getting a government bailout um, to fund um, some of their staff. And many people have looked at that situation and said Tottenham are owned by a billionaire uh, owner in dollar terms and they pay the players a lot of money. So why are they relying on public money to save um, paying uh, some of their non-playing staff during this time? And it's escalated with other Premier League clubs using that furlough scheme as well. And one MP who runs the Sports Committee in the House of Commons called, you know, questioned the lack of morality of the Premier League. Uh, the Premier League players have been in talks through the week through the um, Players' Union about potentially taking pay cuts. And the point they make is through the union, in part, what, you know, why should we be, you know, backrolling the owners in a way? If they, they're wealthy and they do have. Uh, money of, of their own. Then we've had this Premier League meeting today of the 20 meeting by video conference and what they said is, you know, they would actually like to see the 30% cut taken by uh, the Premier League players pay and I think as for the complexities of all this, I think many people would wonder, you know, if, if the ownership itself can afford to sustain the non-playing staff, shouldn't they be paying for them? Uh, on the other side, you know, it's a question of whether you, you've seen the Brighton manager, Graham Potter, said he was giving up some of his pay to make sure that some of those non-playing staff could keep their jobs. So it's a really complex issue and it's become a sort of quite a fraught debate at this time of deep crisis. We don't know when football can resume. Did you, did you get a sense as well that uh, there was a unanimous decision that was taken or did it not have to come to that? Yeah, the unanimous decision in terms of you know, what we're told is that they agreed collectively that it's their intention to hope that the players do some take some sort of cut or deferral of wages uh, during these difficult times because obviously football, all operations, 
effectively stopped at these businesses. There's no income from match day, from the uh, hospitality, the food, the programs, the tickets. So they've got a lot of staff at these clubs who no longer effectively have jobs, which is to do, which is why they've used this um, furlough scheme. And the big question is, do Premier League players have some sort of wider obligation when many are paid more than £100,000 a week to help those who are worse off? Because even those staff members who are on the furloughing scheme of the government, uh, you can only get 8% of your salary from that up to £2,500 uh, a month. So, you know, for many, you know, they can be missing out on the full pay. And so that's where it's become particularly fraught because Premier League players are still earning their full salaries, obviously, when not able to play out of their uh, not choice of their own. Uh, then you've got Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson, who's been talking to his fellow captains um, in, in recent days about whether they can something like raising money uh, to help fund the National Health Service. And, you know, you could look at that as well as saying, well, actually, they're already paying their tax through their big salaries and it's mm. the government to fund the health service. So many interlinking issues here that have been bigger issues in British society for a few years. Um, is there too much? Are Premier League players paid too much? Should there be more investment in the health service, particularly now as we're seeing it? potentially being stretched further by the uh, coronavirus crisis. I was, was going to say that um, obscenely to, to many of us around the world would always see the, the EPL players getting, you know, some really crazy amounts of money that they get paid every single week. Now, how, how then do the individual clubs manage to get into the contracts of those players uh, to be able to alter, adjust, you know, when you're asking for something as much as what the league is asking them to do, uh, do they factor that in? Because everything, as you would know, Rob, everything is a, is a legal document and it has to be uh, subscribed to that. Yeah, and it needs goodwill, really, from the players because uh, you know any potential breach of contract by the club could mean that assets worth tens of millions uh, of pounds each, as they are as players, um, could find that you know the club is defaulted on their contract. So, it's more of a question of do they want to be seen to do the right thing? And, you know, you had the health secretary even in Downing Street yesterday saying that players should take a pay cut. I think he was, what he's actually died referring to is players at clubs where the non-playing staff are, are, are losing out as a result of various cuts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, contractually and legally, it's a very challenging situation. Even Lionel Messi was not particularly happy with how Barcelona handled the 70% cuts there, even though he was obviously um, agreeing with it, but just how it was conducted. Um, you know, and, and obviously one of the key issues is we just don't know when the Premier League can resume. Um, they, they met today and effectively suspended the league indefinitely. You know, they originally tentatively penciled in May as a resumption date, but that was really a holding date. And when you're seeing, as we have today, the the death rate has um, gone up again by over 600 today. 684 has risen by in, in, in 24 hours to 3,605. It just shows that, you know, for some, even talking about when sport resumes, it seems as some unsavory when the death toll is, 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 is rising by the day. Rather, it's a reminder, actually, you know, the importance of sport in in everyday life and actually, you know, how much of a part it's missing, which is obviously mm. in terms of the mindset of people, you don't necessarily want to be focused all the time on, on, on such um, a devastation. Sure. I mean, it's, it's, they've got what confirmed 
positive results of about, what, 38,000, Rob, 168. And I was just checking about, what, 3,605, and it's been escalating. It's been going out at an alarming rate um, at the moment. And, um, you know, when you look at the the projections, and I'm glad that they were able to do a pushback, and now that pushback uh, can go on indefinitely. And when you look at where Liverpool were with the 25 points clear at the top of the table, I know some people were saying that they would have hoped that there would be some duck-would-lose type of format within football so that a decision is made. Uh, but it doesn't look like anything like that is as close to happening because there's TV rights, there's all sorts of things to be considered. And also there's been a uh, firm message from UEFA to all the leagues in the last 24 hours as well, which is don't abandon your leagues prematurely. Uh, the Belgium top flight decided uh, to yesterday recommend that their uh, General Assembly stops the league as it is now and declares the positions final, even though there's around to, to go in the regular season before the playoffs. And UEFA don't think that is suitable. think they hope to resume football. They're aiming for maybe around July and August, they told the league. And they think, well, there's still a possibility of resuming leagues. If it's safe, that they should do, because you need the leagues to finish to secure qualifications for the Champions League and the Europa League. And UEFA actually told the clubs in the league that if they decide to just halt the season now and lock in those positions, well, UEFA might say, you're not coming into the Champions League. You, 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 you won't be able to have your qualification places because the uh, league hasn't been completed with the integrity as intended on the field. So, again, the legal issues at the heart of this as well. And, you know, particularly Liverpool fans, it's the message they'll want to hear because they'll want to complete the season as other teams in the race for promotion from the Championship and all, all parts of Europe. And I think, hopefully, if we would all hope football can resume in the coming months, it would be very much of an anti-climax if it all resumes at the start of a new season with everyone on zero points. Far better, far more interesting for the fans and the viewers for it to be the, the resumption of the thick of the title races and the promotion and the Champions League qualification uh, challenges. Mm. I was going to say also, you know, the... Uh, the pushing off of the Wimbledon tournament also playing a part. I was saying to somebody on this very show yesterday uh, who was suggesting the issue of playing behind closed doors, and I said that's part of why people don't understand that it's a contact sport. And if a a sport or sporting code like tennis that doesn't have that contact but also considers the fans and considers the possibilities of anything being airborne, they decided to push it back, and that was a big decision that they took. Yeah, I and mean, basically the only big uh, sporting event now pampered in the summer is the Open Championship, the, the golf, and as well as the um, British Grand Prix, the Formula 1 is yet to be uh, called off. Uh, but for Wimbledon to take that decision this far out sort of shows you what they feel the um, severity of the crisis will be still looking like when it comes to uh, June and July. And I think that, you know, that they believe as Wimbledon that you can't really hold a championship uh, without any fans. And obviously given it is a grass court tournament and the pressures of the tennis calendar, that they had no real other option uh, but to cancel it. The first time since World War II uh, that it's been cancelled. Sure. Rob, I know how active you are as far as uh, covering sport and travelling around. How has this uh, affected you and your working habits? I mean, I mean it's actually been very uh, busy in terms of dealing with the ramifications of the virus and the fallout from various sporting events being called off and the progress of talks and uh, discussions over when and how events. I think many of us thought when 
sports started to be wiped out a few weeks ago and so many events were called off that actually sport would drop off the international news agenda. But I think we've seen with the delay in terms of cancelling the Olympics, the complexities around that, that it's become a big talking point in the, in, in the last few days because I think that what that shows is just how much of a part of people's lives sport is and how much it means to people. The fact they all want to hang on every sort of development to work out when and how sport can resume, as well as just the unusual nature of so many athletes just now, their lives frozen in terms of not being able to compete and what they do with their lives, how they stay um, fit as well. And, you know, it's obviously just staggering the way the world has come to a standstill. And I think sport reinforces just how much of a cause there is in our lives. Finally, Rob, I mean, I was speaking to a former coach, um, a man who's based uh, in Europe as well, Stuart Baxter, and he was saying that uh, whenever, if ever, uh, we come around this whole coronavirus, that football itself, uh, in, in terms of what you and I know football to be, would change forever. If that were the case, I mean, what are, what are some of the key points that you think would change? I mean, would salaries of players like we were chatting about right now uh, have to take a more reasonable stance, cut them down so that they're not as overinflated as we've seen them, uh, friend behavior? Well, what do you think would change? I think a lot of people are wondering, does this change the finances of football? Does it bring down the large wages as some see them in the, in the top division? Does it lead to deflation in the big transfer fees. And a lot of that could hinge on broadcasters and the big corporate sponsors. How, how are they in a post-coronavirus world, or indeed when the pandemic is being controlled, or if they're cost-cutting at the broadcasters, at the big corporations, which means there's less money uh, going into the sports, because actually, you know, particularly the pay TV model of sport, that relies on subscribers, and if general population countries are struggling financially there could be less disposable income as well for things like uh, television subscriptions so that could have big ramifications in terms of the uh, in terms of the money flow into, into the sports whether or not the actual football formats change people could start to look even closer at the congested football calendar just what this shows is how much how many games we try to fit into the year and how hard it is to maneuver everything when there's any sort of pause like this and obviously against the backdrop against all this before we even had the uh, COVID-19 outbreak was the future of competitions like the European Champions League and uh, new formats for that. And maybe we see as there are attempts to recalibrate the seasons in some form. There are revised competition formats that might then lead to more long-term changes. Rob Harris, as always, on it. Thank you so much. Uh, stay safe, whatever happens out there. And we do appreciate all the news that you keep uh, bringing through. We are following uh, down here in South Africa. And stay safe. Thanks a lot and keep well yourself. Thank you so much there, Rob Harris, uh, joining us uh, uh, live on the line where he's given us uh, that update with the latest uh, that is happening uh, with regards to the Premier League, uh, who have obviously taken that uh, decision, uh, asking the players to take a 30% cut uh, in order to protect the jobs, as it was announced uh, that the season is not going to be resuming. Eh? So they know it's not going to be resuming until what they call it is safe and appropriate to do so. So that is what all the clubs have agreed to put uh, the proposed combination of those uh, conditional uh, reductions uh, together. So from AP's global sports correspondent, uh, Rob Harris, having joined us on the line and still talking about uh, uh, issues around that. Uh, let me just uh, quickly 
just to give you a quick sound bites here because the with the Premier League soccer players needing to take that pay cut and play their part as Britain battles the coronavirus pandemic, according to the Health Minister, Matt Hancock. Now, the players' wages with the game's biggest stars are paid for, uh, which are paid far more uh, per week than the average Britain does, uh, earning in years. So whatever they earn in a week, it'll take a, a normal person going about a normal job years to earn what they earn in just one week. So that is the reality. So that's become a bit of a hot topic at the moment after some of the clubs uh, forlorn non-playing employees under a government job retention scheme. I think that everybody needs to play their part in this national effort, and that means Premier League footballers too. Given the sacrifices that many people are making, including some of my colleagues in the NHS who've made the ultimate sacrifice of going into work and have caught the disease and have sadly died, I think the last thing... The first thing that Premier League footballers can do is make a contribution, take a pay cut and play their part.